0: Joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. And we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Well, after reading Psalm 100, you can just almost guess that we're going to be talking about joy. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. If the Spirit is living in you, Paul identifies in Galatians chapter 5 that there are nine fruit that comes from a life that is lived with Jesus inside. It's what? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And one of them is in fact joy. And joy is not necessarily a fruit that we feel comfortable with displaying. In fact, Sometimes we think that we might be better Christians if we don't have joy. Because, as we know, the Christian life is very reverent and very solemn. And sometimes we think it's not appropriate to smile or laugh. And I I would like to have a conversation with these wonderful men who wrote the four Gospels, and I want to say, would you just write a little bit about Jesus and his laughter? Because I believe that Jesus had joy. Now, it's not always displayed in laughter and in smiles, but I do believe that Jesus was joyful. And if you read any part of the Bible, before long, you're going to come across a section that commands you, To be joyful. And so what does that look like? Does it mean that we walk around clicking our heels and smiling all the time? Is it always everything is fine, I'm blessed? What really is joy? And why do we have to have it? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but as I typically like to do, I'm going to um, use an illustration, and I'm going to ask my daughter if she would come up here, Lily, if you would come up here, Lily um, is in gymnastics, and so we have a, a beam here, and, and folks, um, I don't want to mislead you, we can't afford to, to put my daughter in shoes, okay, so if you see her barefoot, it's just for this, she said, I want to go with that, so here's what we're going to do, um, I'm, I'm going to offer you a reward, would you like a reward, okay, um, where's your favorite place to eat? Jack Robertson, hold your ears. Where, say that again. Slotsky. Okay, sorry. Second is, is McDonald's, but she loves Schlotzki. So if you can make it across this board, okay, several different times, I will, I will show up at your school and I will bring Slotsky's for you. And I see Raina, are you over there? I will bring, do you like Slotsky's? Okay, well you're gonna you're gonna try. It's it's a funny name, but it's a serious sandwich. <laughs> okay, you just remember that. Well so I'll I'll bring you guys Schlotskis, okay? Does that sound really good? Okay, so what you have to do is I want you to make it across that board as best you can. All right, very good. Alright, very good. Now come back around again. We're not done yet. Okay, I want to do this again, but as all of you know, life is not always quite that easy. Wyatt, where are you? Are you in here? Are you awake when you come up here? I need your help. You can keep your shoes on. Um, um, I, I don't know how to describe the relationship between uh, Wyatt and Lily. It's um, Well, they're brother and sister. So, here we go. Yeah. No. Okay, wait. Okay, remember, we're in a church building, okay? And 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 my, my, me for my sins. that Jesus will forgive you for your sins. But the congregation may not let me back up here again. So, here's the deal. You have to make it across and you got to knock her off. Go. Wait, you don't have to. Yeah, you got to knock her off. Okay, try again. Go again. Maybe that didn't work out right. Try again. Knock her off. Knock knock oh. There. Okay, one more time. Make it across. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, why did you not make it okay, let's let's I want to thank you and then I want to take this away and let you sit down before you hurt somebody. Good job. Good job. Okay. Um you didn't make it across. So maybe no Schlotskis? No, I'm a Schlotsky. You want Schlotskis? Yes. Why didn't you make it across? Me. So you're saying it's not fair? It is not fair. I've never heard that cry in my house before. It's not fair. (laughs) They have never said That's the first time that I've ever heard you say that. That's so weird. Anyway, okay. So maybe that was a little tough, so let's do it a little bit differently this time. Okay, how about this time we do it blindfolded? Okay. Can you see? Okay, hang on just a second. Hang on just a second. She can't see. Okay. Okay, so you got it? Oh, okay. Try again. No, no, no. Try try again. Try again. Try again. Oh, that's going to leave a mark. There you go. All right, very good. Okay, you can take that off. Okay, now you can't. Now, that was a little bit harder, right? Okay, Um, so um, you're smiling at the end. Why are you smiling? Because you were going to make it, okay? And there's Schlotsky's at the end for you, isn't there? Okay, Um, I want to talk a little bit, and I want you to stay up here. You can stand up here for me. I wanted to talk to you all about Um, why we have joy. Um, On a balanced beam by itself can seem kind of exciting, and it's something she's been practicing, and she can do forwards and even backwards. Uh, You saw that she could even do it blindfolded. It was a lot harder when there was someone hitting her and pushing her off. Okay, And so I want to talk about why going across the beam... Sometimes you can think is something joyful because you can accomplish. But what happens when somebody comes along and knocks you off? And then the cry is, it's not fair. And life gets messed up. And the things that you had for your life, all of a sudden they don't work out the way you wanted them to. You, didn't, you, you, you lost your job. Your husband filed for a divorce. You had to file bankruptcy. Any number of things that have happened. Okay? And all of a sudden you say, I don't have joy in my life anymore. And I want us to talk about that that joy is not something that has to do with our outward circumstances. Okay? It has to do with two things. Okay, I want you to get up on this again. Okay. There are two things that I think are vital for us having joy. Hang on right there for a second. Two things. One is the promise, the promise that God has something for us, and that something for us is not based on how productive we are or how good we are, that God has for us something better than Schlotsky's at school. It's the silver lining that no matter what happens in our life, His promise is always true, no matter what happens, right? The second thing is presence. His presence. It's not simply that if we somehow survive that we get to go see God. It's the fact that He is with us all the way. Now, I I won't draw this analogy out any further, but if you can imagine her blindfolded and have several people up here hitting her, and she's going to fall off, but the promise is that even when she falls off, that I'm going to be here to help her back on. It does not mean, this is really important, it does not mean that she won't fall off. Okay, don't think that the presence of God means that everything is always going to be great. It means His promise is true and His presence is always there. And that is where we have joy. You want to stand up here one more time and, and turn around? And, and, and do your bow. There you go. Now go sit down. Okay, so I want to ask a question, and Lance and I had a, a discussion about this. And I hadn't really thought about it a whole lot. But my question is this, and I just can't get this out of my, my mind. Why is joy commanded? And maybe I've made an assumption that that I shouldn't make. I'm I'm taking a stance that the Bible says that we are to be joyful. And I don't want you necessarily to take my words for it. Uh, I'll I'll use a few examples here. How about uh, Psalm 51? We read it several weeks ago. It's after David has been caught in adultery. Um, And here's what he says, ultimately... He says, "Restore to me the joy of your salvation. The joy that David is going to have is the salvation, the promise made by God. How about this? Psalm 95 says this. We all know this one quite well, don't we? Oh, that's Psalm 100. Psalm 95 says this: "Come, let us sing with joy to the Lord. let us. What? Shout, Shout aloud. To the rock of our salvation, let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. In His hands are what? The depths of the earth. Remember the song? And the mountain peaks, they belong to Him. The sea is His, He made it. And His hands, they formed the dry land. Listen to why we give joy to God. We give joy to a God who even in the very depths, He is there. And even on the highest mountain, He is there. On the turbulent seas, He is there. On the firm land, He is there. When you're on the beam making it across at the applause of everyone, He is there. When you fall off and hurt yourself and wondering if you're going to get back up again in the very depths, God is there. And for that reason, we have joy Too many times, I can't do this, I've thought about this, if I try to do this, I'm going to hurt myself, but if I can make it just up here. Too many times, we think that God is happy when we're doing what's right, and when we make a a mistake, He says, oh, that's so terrible, and He stops loving us. That maybe somehow, God will love us more if we can make it a little bit further down this beam. (laughs) You're making fun of the shuffle. Shuffle. I'm not going to dare try to put one foot over the other because I'm going to fall. That where you are has nothing to do with the love that God has for you. In the depths, He is there. In the mountains, He is there. Let's keep looking. I want to show you a few more examples to show you that we are commanded to have joy. Isaiah Chapter uh, 49, which we know Isaiah is the weeping prophet, and yet here he's going to talk of joy. He says, Shout for joy, you heavens, rejoice you earth, burst into song, you mountains, for the Lord what? Comforts his people. It doesn't say that the Lord babies his people. It does not say the Lord gives His people everything that they want. It says that He comforts them. Why would He comfort them? Because there's hardship. And the presence of God brings us joy. We read Psalm 100 of shouting with joy to the Lord. Luke chapter 6 says, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. What, do you, what day is he talking about? Do you know the context of this? Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. Is he talking about the day you enter into heaven? If you go back and read Luke chapter 6, that is also... Um, the same as the the Sermon on the Mount, when he says leap for joy on that day, that day he's referring to is the day that you are persecuted. Leap for joy. Because God is with you and His promise that He will never leave you is there. I, I don't want to spoil the movie, but I think we've all read the book. Uh, I have not seen it yet, but some of the youth group and Lance just uh, went to see the movie last night, Risen, uh, which talks about the life of Jesus and certainly about his death and resurrection. And one of the things that Lance pointed out, I don't think this is a spoiler, but he said one of the things he noticed about nearly every scene after the resurrection of Jesus, at least one person, one of the apostles I believe he said, and I may be getting this wrong you can ask him later, or go watch the movie don't believe him he said is that somebody was smiling or laughing and it, it was a he really did rise like it really happened that that was the response listen to this uh, in Matthew 28 Jesus had died, he had been resurrected, but nobody really knew that yet. But the women had gone uh, to the tomb to find him. They didn't find him. Instead, there's an angel who said he's no longer here. He's risen just as he said. And listen to this in verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid, yet filled with what? Joy. They were filled with joy. Joy. Because Jesus had, in fact, risen from the dead. In the parables of the hidden treasure, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And in his joy, he went and sold everything and he bought that field. Over and over and over again, we are called to have joy. And lastly, I want to go to Philippians chapter 4, as Paul says this, to a church that is being persecuted in Philippi. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Oh, we all know this one. Let's try it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. We are commanded in the Bible to rejoice. We are commanded to rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why do we rejoice? Even through uh, persecutions? Because he says it right here. The Lord is near. And that's why the church in Philippi was to rejoice. He had been in Philippi. He got beat up in Philippi. He got thrown in jail in Philippi. He had been persecuted in Philippi. He left there. They were still experiencing persecution. And he writes this letter, and throughout the whole letter he says, Have joy. Rejoice. Let me tell you again, rejoice. Not because of their circumstances. I don't want you to walk away thinking that joy is something that happens, one, because of your surroundings, or two, looks something like this. Joy is understanding the promise and the presence of God. So, why does God command joy? That's the question that I cannot Wrap my little brain around. Why does he command? To me, it seems to me for him to say, You need to have joy, is kind of like saying, You need to breathe. Like breathing is something I want to do. I think it's important. I think it's healthy. I think if I stop doing it, then I'll probably be in trouble. Don't we want to have joy? I mean, you would think he wouldn't have to say over and over and over again, shout for joy, clap with joy, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, over and over again, and yet the Bible still says it. Why? Because he knows that Satan wants to steal our joy. Our joy is found because we believe in the promise of the King, not the lies of any other leader. I'm not here to poke or pick on any individual, but none, zero of the candidates, zero of those candidates, can give me or take away my joy. They can do nothing. If they fulfilled every promise that they could possibly make, that will not increase my joy because my joy has nothing to do with what's going to happen in the next 50 years. My joy is in two things. The promise of God and His presence. And if I believe solely in those two things, there is absolutely nothing that a politician, a government, a law, a school, or anything can do to take that joy away from me. Think about that. If you really believe that your joy is based on the promise and presence of God, what can happen to take that away? We have joy. And it doesn't always come out in the form of smiling and bubbly, but it's the contentment and the assurance that no matter what happens, He's going to be with us. No matter what happens, he's going to be with you. We talked about on a Wednesday night class several weeks ago how over 50 times in the Bible, it says God's love never fails. Over 50 times in some form or fashion, it says God's love never fails. It's unfailing. And the question is, why would the writer take the time to rewrite that same phrase over and over and over again because we struggle with believing that His love never fails. The second and last question that I have associated with the command for joy. One, why does He have to command it? But the second question is this, why do we need it? Why is it really important to have joy? Can't you have love and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self. Why can't you have the rest of those? Can't we leave joy out? Joy is for the people who don't really know what is going on in life. Okay, if they're smiling, they, they haven't read the newspaper lately, right? There's no reason to be joyous. Uh, somebody mentioned we were talking about this with our elders this morning, uh, and I said, you know, what, what do you think about joy? And one of them mentioned, well, it's something that we don't have a whole lot of in in this world. You know, look how many, um, you know, people are running each other off the road. And they're carrying guns into schools and post offices and churches trying to, to shoot people. You know, we have people uh, heavily medicated and often depressed and... They, they're, they're never finding satisfaction in their life. Why is it important for us to have joy? Because it's easily identifiable. There are people who you can look at, and even though they're not always smiling, you know that they have joy in their lives. And then that brings up the question, why? Why? We're called to have joy because that is our witness into this world. You can be faithful and it would take someone and should probably take someone years to to be able to label you as a faithful person because faith is something that has to be displayed over the course of a long period of time. You're not going to have a five-minute conversation with your waitress at the restaurant and she's going to walk away and say, wow, that's a really faithful person. That's not easily displayed. Joy is. Joy is the hook. It's when people can see you, and even if the food is burned, you don't have to blow a gasket. That's joy. Joy says when the person cuts you off the road, that it is, you don't feel like you have to get right on their bumper and lay on the horn and shake your fist for the next ten minutes. That's Joy. Joy means that you can be thankful and be content and be happy. And people see that and be, man, she's really weird. Why? And then you get to open up an opportunity. Because there's a lot of people that whether their food comes out burnt or perfect, they're still miserable. And they should be. They should be miserable. Because if they don't have the presence and the promise of God, what do they have? They are investing in a life that is going downhill. And there is no joy in that. But we have joy. We are commanded to have joy. Because God understands that having joy reminds us of His presence and His promise. And by sharing joy, it allows others to see the same. So this week, find ways to show joy. In a world where people are angry, let it be our calling card. Let us say this is why we have joy because no matter what happens, God is right here with me and His promise is true. If you're struggling with that promise or don't see His presence, I want you to know that He is here and He is real and He is faithful to His promise. If you want to have that joy in life, I want to encourage you to come forward as we stand and sing.